taking them to Chelsea. So as they head out, would you reach out a hand to them? Say, the Lord be with you as you worship. So say that with me. The Lord be with you as you worship. Amen. That's an awesome crew. Well, the last several weeks, we've been looking at this idea of forgiveness. And two weeks ago, we looked at what is forgiveness and what is not forgiveness. And we saw that forgiveness does not mean excusing. It doesn't mean throwing something behind us and just under the rug and saying it's not a big deal at all. Rather, forgiveness means recognizing there's a wrong. That's why forgiveness is needed. It means letting go of revenge, this internal desire and resentment. We're letting go of that, pushing that out, and we're being reconciled as possible. And last week, we explored more deeply our personal need for forgiveness, not just from one another, but ultimately from God, that we have an unimaginable, amazingly huge debt that we owe God. Though our hearts resist this truth, that's what Scripture speaks. So we overestimate our moral goodness, and at the same time, we underestimate our worth and our value. It's actually in seeing our sin and our need for forgiveness that those areas of our hearts are healed. We're humbled. I'm I'm not as a moral person as I think I am. But at the same time, I see my value that God has given himself for me. The gospel heals something in us. But today, I want to look at how do we forgive others? If you're a human being here this morning, you no doubt have places of hurt and bitterness, people you've had to forgive in your life. How do you go about forgiveness? Before we step into this, though, I've got another question here. Why even care, right? Sure, you've got issues and maybe people that have hurt you before, but why should you forgive them at all in the first place? Why not just hold on to that grudge? It's interesting, Tim Keller in his book on forgiveness that's been very helpful to me and some of the stories I'm sharing today come from his book on forgiveness. He shares that our English word for wrath comes from the same root word where we get our word wreath, our Christmas wreaths at Christmas. And the root means for something to be twisted, to be bent out of shape. And J.R.R. Tolkien, he used this same root word for his ringwraiths. If you know Lord of the Rings, these ghost-like creatures are wraith. It's, it's when something's been twisted and deformed out of its original and normal shape and purpose. So if you're sitting in a hurt over and over and over again, if you allow your wrath to control you, it will hollow you out. It will make you a ghost-like version of yourself. It will twist you and bend your heart out of its normal shape and purpose. It will deform you out of the ways that God is intending to use your life. Wrath, anger, resentment, bitterness, they twist us. They change our hearts. Forgiveness, though, it brings healing and wholeness to us. Even as it's so difficult to step into, it brings life and healing. So even if only for selfish reasons this morning hear that forgiveness is a good thing, it brings rightness and correction to your heart, brings healing. So if this is needed for us in life, how then do we forgive? If you have a Bible, I encourage you to open up with me to Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. 
It's a smaller passage here. If you're a part of a home group or leading a home group, you guys can look at uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 17 if you want a bit more content to walk through. You could also go to Luke chapter 15. The story of the prodigal son will be going there this morning as well. But for us, I'm just going to be reading verses 12 through 14. It says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Such a simple yet powerful command. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Notice here that there's not any exception that Paul gives us in this passage. He doesn't say forgive as the Lord forgave you unless you really dislike this person or unless they really hurt you or unless they don't ask for forgiveness. Then you don't have to forgive. He doesn't give us a single exception. He just says forgive as the Lord forgave you. So in this, it shows us that our model of forgiveness is the Lord and his kindness towards us. So if we're going to understand how we ought to forgive one another, we first need to look at the Lord's example of his forgiveness towards us. That's where this is going to be built this morning. So to see this, go back with me to the story we sat in this first week from Matthew chapter 18. It's perhaps Jesus' most famous story on forgiveness. Let me just briefly retell this. There was a king, a great ruler, and he called in his servants to settle his accounts. And one servant came in and his debt, Jesus says, was 10,000 talents. You've heard me explain before, we don't have this uh, unit of money in our day now, but one talent, one talent was worth 20 years wages. 20 years of labor was one talent. And this servant racked up a debt of 10,000 talents. This would have blown Jesus' listeners away. This is what the servant owes to the king. When he can't pay it, he begs for mercy. Please give me time. I will repay you. And instead of throwing the servant in jail and punishing him, instead it says the king canceled his debt, all 10,000 talents, and let the man go. Unbelievable. Jesus continues, though, that this servant who'd just been forgiven, he goes out and he comes across his fellow servant that owed him a debt. It says it owed him a hundred denarii. A denarii is one day, one day's wage. So it's a hundred days of work, a little over three months. And he grabs this servant by the throat and begins to choke him, saying, you must repay me. And even though he begs, please, in the same way, please forgive me, I will repay you eventually, he does not let his fellow servant go, but throws him into jail. And when the king finds out that the servant he forgave, this massive debt, has thrown his fellow servant in jail over a trivial debt in comparison, he's full of anger. And he calls him in and says, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? And he then condemns this servant, throws him into jail. And he says this critical line in verse 35. He says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart, from the heart. 
There's a lot of confusion often as people hear this story and read this verse because it seems that Jesus is saying that God's forgiveness towards us is really built on our forgiveness of other people, that we need to earn his forgiveness by the way we treat and forgive other people. But hear me, this doesn't quite fit with Jesus's story. If you remember, the servant comes in with this massive debt and the king forgives him right off the bat before he's done anything good or bad. He's undeserving, but the king forgives him out of his own kindness and grace. As the story shows us, it really is that this servant hasn't taken in this forgiveness into his heart. It hasn't really dawned on him how much he's just been forgiven. It's not reached into his inner being and into his heart. He's not moved by it. So instead of going and finding his fellow servant and shaking him with delight and good news, saying, you'll never believe what I've just been forgiven. I'm going to forgive you now because you're never going to believe what the king just let me go with. Instead, he chokes him with anger and bitterness. So we see that this immense kindness from the king never landed in his own heart, never moved him. He's never really received it. So let me put it this way. Our willingness to forgive others reveals whether we have truly received forgiveness from God. It's the best way to put it. Our willingness to forgive others, that willingness in our heart, really begins to expose if we've understood and truly received God's forgiveness. If you've been forgiven a massive debt from God, and yet you are still filled with hardness of heart towards your neighbor, your spouse, your children, someone else in your life, it maybe shows, have you really understood what the king has done for you? Has it really melted and softened your heart? Perhaps you've not really received this, because if you had really received this and understood it, it would change the way you interact and engage others. Our willingness to extend forgiveness to others really reveals whether or not we've truly understood and received it from God. So this forgiveness has never really come to the man's heart, so it never comes out of his heart for other people. Do you see this? It's incredible because as we look at scripture, this is how God forgives us. He forgives us from the heart, from a place of deep willingness and gladness. It says beautifully in Hosea chapter 11, God is speaking to his people. He's speaking to his people like a father to his wayward son. And God says this to his people, though they have rejected and rebelled against him, run away from him, found other gods, God says to his people in Hosea 11 verse 8, so kindly, how can I give you up, Ephraim, his people? How can I hand you over, Israel? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. I will not carry out my fierce anger, nor will I devastate Ephraim again, for I am God and not man, the Holy One among you. See, God is not saying to his people, I forgive you, yet giving them the cold shoulder. He's not going through the mere formality of acting like he's full of forgiveness and then bearing a grudge against them. God's heart, rather, is full of compassion and it's overflowing in him towards his people. So he says, my heart's changed within me. I I can't not forgive you. I, I can't not bring you back to myself because I'm so stirred up with affection and love towards you. So God's forgiveness is coming from his heart deeply. 
Not an empty, cold, formal forgiveness, but my affections are stirred up. How can I not forgive you? Jesus is telling us the same thing in Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son. You no doubt have heard before, but hear this as a story of forgiveness. That a son wishes his father was dead so that he could have his inheritance. And his father takes this word, gives his youngest son the inheritance, and he quickly goes out to a foreign land and spends it on reckless, wild living. And he lands himself in such debt that he's now feeding pigs, wishing he could eat the food they eat. And in this place, he realizes, why don't I go back to my father? Maybe I can be one of his servants. His servants are treated better than I am. So he gets up, heads back on the road to his father's home. And Jesus says in this story, when the father sees him coming from a long way off, the father runs to his son. And the father throws his arms around him and begins to kiss him. And before the son can even get out an apology, Lord, I'm, Father, I'm so sorry, and all of this, the father interrupts, calls it out, and says, servants, bring the ring and the robe. Bring the best food we have. Slaughter the fattened calf. We're having a party tonight. And the father is so eager to celebrate that his son is now home. This is Jesus, God in the flesh, telling us how God's heart works towards us in forgiveness. Is that not beautiful? Do you see how this forgiveness from the Father is from his heart? No one's having to tell him to get on the road. No one's having to beat or browbeat him into forgiveness. He is already full of compassion. He's already wanting to throw a party, bring out the best ring and the robe. He's so eager to have his son home again. Do you see the father is full of forgiveness from his heart? Before I connect this to how we forgive, I just want to sit in this for a second. Because I know there are people who really struggle to feel as though God would ever want to forgive them. There's a sense in your past, and as you look over yourself, you say, there's no way that God would ever want anything to do with me. I'm completely unworthy, and he's never going to want to love me or make me his own. You don't understand what I've done and what's just lurking in my past. There's no way God would want or receive or forgive me. And in some ways, you are absolutely right. You are entirely unworthy. And if your hope in life is built on yourself, you are absolutely hopeless. All of us are. But the good news, the truth is that God's forgiveness towards us was never intended to be built on you. It was never about you being good enough or earning his forgiveness. We'd all be hopeless if that was the case. Instead, God's forgiveness is built out of his own compassion. It's built out of his own work for us in Jesus. So we receive forgiveness not because of our works or what we've done. We receive forgiveness because of God's grace. This is free gift that God's looking to give to his people. So if you're in that desperate place thinking, I'm entirely unworthy. There's no way God would want to receive me. I feel filthy and unclean. God does not want me. You have not seen the grace of Jesus. That absolutely on your own, we are hopeless. But because of Jesus, we have such incredible hope. And more than that, do you see God's heart towards you? Do you see how full of an eagerness he is towards you? 
How did that son feel walking home? There's no way my father's going to want anything to do with me. After wishing he was dead, after wanting my inheritance early, not wanting relationship with him, choosing money over him, my father is going to be disgusted with me. What, what a shock to that son when the father comes running down the road. So for your heart and for me, do you see the shock of the father running towards you? His heart is full of forgiveness and it's from his heart all my compassion is aroused. It's stirred up within me. He's full of affection for us, his people. So God forgives us from the heart. This then is how we ought to forgive others. I hope you see the challenge of this, though, because if you've been hurt, you might be like, this is great news, Caleb, that the Father is so full of forgiveness towards us, but I have zero desire to run towards my perpetrators. I have zero desire to throw my arms around those who have hurt me and my loved ones. This is great news about Jesus, but my heart feels so stone cold towards those who have hurt me. I don't know how to actually forgive the rest of this morning, just want to walk briefly through this process of forgiveness for how do we forgive from the heart like the Father? This doesn't happen in an instant. It takes time. So sit in this with me. The first of all, what our hearts need is that we need to see them anew. Those who have hurt us, we need to see them anew. Lewis Smeads, he's a great book on forgiveness as well. And in this book, he tells a little fable a story that he's made up about a baker and his wife. And in this story, Lewis Smead said, this baker is a very righteous man, but the kind of righteous man that looks down his long nose on other people, judging them and seeing how much better he is than them. Says the baker's wife, however, was a much more friendly, loving woman. And although she loved and respected her husband, she ached for more from him than just his worthy righteousness some unmet love in her heart between them. So she quickly found that in someone else's arms. So the baker came back one day after working early in the morning, kneading his dough, preparing for his bakery, and he found his wife in bed with a stranger. And quickly the whole village is talking about the adultery of the baker's wife, and he's humiliated and ashamed. And everyone thinks that the baker is going to cast off his wife, throw her away, but he begins to tell people, I forgive her as the good book says. But really, in his heart, Smeed says, he still has this hatred and this bitterness towards his wife. As he thinks about her, he's filled with rage and such anger. So he goes through the formality of forgiveness just so that he can punish her with her righteous mercy. And it says that, Heaven was not pleased with this false forgiveness from the baker. So God sent this angel to this baker that every time he had a bitter thought or hatred towards his wife, the angel would drop one pebble in his heart. And over time, thought after thought, memory after memory, anger and more anger, pebble after pebble, weighed this baker's heart down. Lewis Smith says eventually he was bent over and he had to crane his neck up to see in front of him weighed down, twisted, deformed, out of shape. Eventually, the baker is filled with such resentment and anger, he hates his life. And finally, this angel comes and explains to the baker how he can find healing. And he says the baker needs what Smeads calls magic eyes. You need magic eyes. 
says, all you have to do is ask for this. He says, you need eyes to go back to the beginning of your hurt and to see your wife, not as a wicked, betraying woman who's out to shame you. Rather, you need to see her as your wife who was looking for love from you and needed you. And this was not about creating excuses for his wife. It was about seeing her as a fellow sinner and a fellow human being in need. And at first, the baker hated this idea, resisted it. But eventually, because of his pain, he asked for these magic eyes and slowly but surely was able to see his wife as someone who loved him and had needed his love. And his heart began to soften, and every time he saw his wife in a new way, Smeeds concludes the story saying the angel came and just took one pebble out of his heart, one at a time, so slowly but surely his heart was unburdened, no longer twisted, deformed, bent, out of shape. Tim Keller, I think, draws out this idea really clearly. He says this, resentment always makes us feel morally superior to the wrongdoer. Man, that's true which it turns makes it harder to shed the resentment. If you don't see that you too are a sinner needing grace, your resentment will twist and defile you. You must realize you are a co-sinner and they are a co-human. So in your bitterness and resentment this morning, the anger that you might have in your heart, just this first step, ask God to help you see that person differently. Ask God to give you new eyes to view their life that instead of this awful, terrible, wicked person, that they're a fellow sinner like you, that they're a lost son or daughter, that the father is eager to come home again. So ask God to change the vision of that person in yourself. God, help me see them with new eyes. Secondly, not to see them anew, but secondly, take the first staggering step. Take the first staggering step of forgiveness. As missionaries, uh, Gladys uh, Gaines and her husband, they were in India in the 1990s and they were serving as missionaries, Graham and Gladys Gaines, medical missionaries in one of the poorest areas of India in Orissa and they were serving lepers along with their three kids, two young preteen sons and their daughter. And in their work of helping these lepers, they were also sharing the gospel and seeing lives transformed. But this deeply upset local radical Hindus in their area. And one day, January 22nd, 1999, a radical Hindu mob was stirred up against their work and they came and attacked Graham and his two preteen sons and burned them alive. And the next day, Gladys and her daughter were not there. She got official confirmation of how her husband and sons had just been killed. Horrific news. And a reporter who was there said that she was shaking with grief And it seemed like she was stuck on this thought, could not speak before she finally said, whoever did this, we will forgive them. For this is the good news, that there is forgiveness for every sin through the vessel of Jesus Christ. These are the first words out of her lips. It wasn't easy, she's stuck in this place for a moment, but finally is able to stagger out these words, whoever did this, we will forgive them. As I'm sure she said this, she did not feel forgiveness in her heart. I'm sure she spoke these words. She wasn't full of love towards the people who had hurt and just killed her family. Rather, this is a step of the will and choosing we will forgive them. 
the first staggering step in saying, I'm not going to be controlled by this present emotion and view of things. I know where God is taking me. And even though it seems impossible, this is where I'm going. Lord, I surrender my will to you. Incredibly, Gladys didn't just say this phrase. She stayed in that area of Orissa in India for years. She continued that work, built up and actually into a hospital for these lepers, serving the same community that killed her sons and her husband. And over decades of work, the Indian government gave her a prestigious award for civilians and their work on behalf of India. This kind of faithful presence and perseverance, even in the midst of incredible hurt and pain. So hear me again. As you're filled with bitterness and resentment, your heart will not feel like forgiveness. And if your heart waits until that time when you feel like it, you will wait your entire life. You must take that first staggering step. I will forgive them. I will forgive them. So first of all, see them anew. Secondly, take that first step. I will forgive. I will forgive. Speak that. Thirdly, keep on forgiving. Keep on forgiving. Dan Hamilton, in an essay on forgiveness, he talks about how forgiveness is like giving someone a, an expensive gift on a credit card. And so you've made this purchase for them, but now it's landed you in a bit of debt that you've got to pay off. So as you say, I forgive you to that person, you've just given them this amazing, expensive gift that they can immediately enjoy. But for you, you're left paying off that credit card. You still got debt to pay for weeks, maybe years, maybe decades of time. And Dan Hamilton, in his own life, he'd experienced a really painful breakup with his fiance. And he said that he experienced this as he saw her for the first time with another man. He had to make a payment. In his own heart, there's this rising up of resentment and you must make that payment. I've spoken forgiveness, now I need to pay this off. And he said as he felt full of jealousy and self-pity as he had to renounce those in himself, there was another payment. As he grew to the place of praying for his ex-fiance, Working through that anger, he said, there was another payment. As he was sharing with friends and chose to praise her, to talk about her great qualities, when it would have been so easy to just murder her character, to throw her under the bus, instead he said, there was another payment. Again and again and again, you find yourself paying, paying, paying internally. I've spoken forgiveness, but now as we go through time, I must keep forgiving and keep forgiving and keep forgiving. So if you look at this mountain on the front end and say, I'm never getting up this in a moment, you won't. It has to be climbed over time, slowly but surely. I will forgive this person until you reach a place where your heart actually feels differently about them. It will take days, weeks, months, years, but persevere in forgiveness. Lastly here before we wrap up, Will their good? Will their good? Think back about the story of the father and the prodigal son. As he sees him coming up the road, he runs towards him. And as we said, he says, bring out the best ring and robe. Let's throw a feast for my son. He's willing his good. He's longing to celebrate 
and bring his son back into this closeness and relationship. He wants his good. He's not looking to punish him. He's not looking to make him feel terrible about himself. He's looking for what is best for the son, to delight in him. So also for us, we see we have really come to a place of forgiveness when we're able to will that other person's good. This doesn't always mean we're in a near close relationship. It doesn't mean you stay in an abusive situation. Sometimes love means we need to step away from a place of being hurt. But it means even from a distance, we can pray for that other person and long for their life to be changed. We can will their good. Lord, would you bless them? So test your heart in forgiveness. Can you pray for those who have hurt you? Can your heart say, Lord, I want you to bring out the best ring and rope for them? Lord, I want you to bring them back home that you would celebrate their arrival. Do you will their good? This also is again as the band comes back up for us to worship and sing. I want to see one more time. This is how God treats us. Hear this good word from Psalm 103, verse 8 through 12. It says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. So good. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. He, praise God, does not treat us as our sins deserve. He has thrown them as far as the east is from the west. So sit in that refreshment with me. Remember how the Father has forgiven you. That as you come before him, he's not looking to hold over your head the wrongdoing you've done. He's not coming with a cold shoulder, and he's not holding a grudge. Rather, he's not treating us as our sins deserve, but he's overflowing with the desire to bless you. He's overflowing with the desire for you to come to him and to know him. Let that speak to your heart. Would would you pray in this with me this morning? Jesus, we are in desperate need of your forgiveness. Lord, more than that, we are in desperate need of feeling our forgiveness. Being met with an awe and amazement of that. Lord, I know that as you set us in awe, that you are not like us. Praise God, you are not like us. That you are holy and distinct and different, and your heart does not operate like us. You flow not from a place of anger and resentment, but full of compassion. You care about justice, yet you also are overflowing with compassion. Lord, help us see your character. Help us be amazed at you. And may that Jesus turn our hearts to also forgive our fellow servants in the same way. Not holding on to bitterness, not holding on to anger, not being twisted out of shape, but instead Jesus rightly standing up, rightly being freed from our bondage, seeing those who have hurt us as fellow sinners, people that are lost sons and daughters. Now we're going to have prayer team in the back. If you're really looking for prayer here this morning, maybe there's that bitterness and anger that feels like it's pretty impossible for you to get over. I encourage you, take some time to receive prayer. 
Again, this doesn't take a great deal of explanation at your, on your part. If you're just looking for someone to put a hand on you and to pray for you, I know our team would love to do that. Would you again stand if you're able and sing with us? Sorrows, man of sorrows, man. 